0: Hello everyone and thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, all the same, it is greatly appreciated. And thank you for your constant, constant support. In this revisit episode, we're going to be rounding up the MonsterVerse, legendaries. MonsterVerse, with Godzilla versus Kong, which finally pitted two of the biggest heavyweights on the big screen for the first time since the original, which was way back in 1962. Now, being a fan of Godzilla and Kong, I honestly never thought that we would see them on screen again together, or if a modernised version would be any good. But credit to Legendary and the team behind the films, as they had built this universe up to such great heights and to great success as well, gaining so many fans as well in the process whilst building this monsterverse, I'm quite envious in a way that some of the younger fans that will have seen these Godzilla and Kong films from Legendary, they will be their first introduction to these characters, especially if like the 2014 Godzilla release was someone's first film for the, you know, for the Godzilla character. Oh man, what an introduction that would have been, you know? But since 2014, the universe has grown and grown, you know, with the follow-ups such as Skull Island, which we have touched upon, Godzilla, King of the Monsters as well. You can catch all these on this very pod in previous revisits. Go check them out. And then in 2021, on the back of a few delays due to a little thing called the coronavirus, I'm not sure if anyone's heard of that, news to me, um, the finale of the Monsterverse was released with Godzilla vs. Kong. And I was so excited for this film. Now, I appreciate it's not actually the finale, but at the time, that was how long the contract was for, right up until this one. So it was, you know, the grand the grand big finale, in, in a way, anyhow. But it has pushed them forward for more films. Um, and once the film dropped, you know, when we finally got a chance to see it, I, I was pretty happy with this film. I felt that it had the right amount of monster action. The story was sound, a little bit iffy in places with plot conveniences, but hey, it's a monster movie. Let's just Let's just roll with it, you know. But mostly... I came away just blown away by the special effects, the CGI, and especially the colour in this film. It is simply gorgeous. You know, some of the colours that we see and how the film just looks overall, um, in particular, you know, the battle in Hong Kong, visually stunning. But, you know, we'll get to all of that a little later. And of course, this will be spoiler filled, so there's that. But before we do, Dive any further into this podcast episode, that is. uh, This is available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts. As to RSS.com, you know the drill. Go, like, follow, wherever you're streaming it from. Hit notification, leave us a review too. That would be fantastic. And if you want to find the pages on socials, jump onto Facebook and Instagram. Search Joe Blogs About Films. Give us a like and a follow, that too. Would be uh, really much appreciated. Now, Godzilla vs Kong. The film was initially set for November 2020, um, but as mentioned, delays pushed this back. And then, no cinemas were open at this particular time, and it did finally see the light of day on March 24th, 2021, where cinemas were opened overseas, but they still weren't quite open in the UK just yet. I think I think it was May that the cinemas opened again in in the UK. And I, I only know this cuz this is when the the podcast first started. That's literally as soon as the cinemas opened, I was straight there checking something out cuz it had been it had been a while. But even though the cinemas weren't open on UK soil, the film did get a streaming release simultaneously, that being HBO Max in the US and Amazon Prime, I believe it was over here or Sky Movies or something like that. Meaning fans could enjoy the spectacle in the comfort of their own homes, but I wasn't the biggest fan of this viewing at home as I wanted to see these two monsters on the big screen. Like, I did eventually, you know, once the film was re-released at the cinema in May or whenever in the UK when it finally dropped, like, I went to see it at the cinema and I enjoyed I enjoyed it all the more as this film is, as I stated, gorgeous to watch. We'll st- we'll certainly get to more details and favourite moments, but good heavens is this film stunning. Now, Adam Wingard did a tremendous job with every sequence having such flair and beautiful lighting. Like, it was really really excellent which is why I just didn't enjoy sitting at home and watching this film for the first time like it had to be seen on the big screen I, I get that when you when you buy a film or whatever you're going to watch it at home and it's great but you know that that's the joy of physical media but as a first time watch with films on this scale they just have to be seen at the cinema uh, apologies for that side tangent but it's something I I really wish I, I could have changed you know my first my first time watching it would have been hopefully at the cinema but i, I mean i could have waited but th- this is the film that both me and my uh me and my old man very much were excited to see so i, I just wanted to catch it as soon as i could and hope that it was uh, going to be as good as what we wanted which all i will say is that it, it was you know it was something it was it was it's great this film isn't it let's be honest now before we go any further, I I know that the podcast I've do, I've done a podcast episode on this before because my second ever episode was on this film, and I did actually listen back to it, like to kind of see what I said last time round and just see what I thought of it in terms of out of ten, this and that um but yeah like seeing as we've been revisiting the monsterverse i thought i was i was like should i do another episode i thought balls to it let's just let's just do another episode and make sure it's better than the first time round. and and we can talk a little bit more about spoilers because on the last one i was kind of like really playing it cool with not wanting to spoil like who turns up being mecha godzilla this and that so that can be all quashed this is a new revisit joe blogs about films godzilla versus kong here we go the intergovernmental organization monarch along with the shady apex corporation attempts to transport king kong back to his home but when the giant ape encounters fellow titan godzilla an ancient conflict is re-established setting the stage for an enormous punch-up and i've already said before that this is an enjoyable film to watch i think i've said that about five times already in this podcast episode and it's got some stellar stellar moments especially once those monsters you know start with the fisticuffs and it certainly captured audiences imaginations and tick boxes for them as it did extremely well at the box office especially for a pandemic film release like it broke several pandemic box office records the film earned over 122 million dollars during its opening weekend sales and the it was the biggest opening of a movie released during the pandemic, and then ultimately grossed four hundred and seventy million dollars worldwide, against like a production budget between one hundred and fifty-five to two hundred million, and a break-even point of three hundred thirty million, making it the eighth highest-grossing film of twenty twenty-one. Like that—that's that, mad. That I say, it was—it did super, super well. and You can see why now these films are going to continue to be made. Obviously, if it did well during the pandemic and just cinemas reopening, this and that. Like I said before on my podcast, I feel like this was the perfect film for moviegoers to go see at that time because obviously we'd, we'd not had cinemas open for so long. We were itching to go back, this and that. They gave us obviously kind of re-releases of this uh, of certain films, obviously classic films. I remember I, I managed to catch *Empire Strikes Back* and such, and there were the odd few new films such as *Spiral*, and uh, I'm sure there were some others. But when *Godzilla vs Kong* came out, it was the perfect like popcorn film. Go and enjoy like this epic spectacle um it it obviously won audiences over and you can see now as i stated why there's much desire for more like in addition to all of that as well obviously being released at the cinemas and, and the box office doing ever so well uh this film was just a massive streaming hit like it became the most successful launch uh for hbo max in its history until it was overtaken by mortal kombat which again that did the same thing of the streaming cinema release so you can see again why then other films start to do that because obviously like Marvel and and Disney I should say they started to kind of think oh, okay well we'll do like simultaneous releases as well which obviously backfired with, with like Black Widow and such but there was kind of like a period of cinema and releases I remember probably talking about it before when I was doing the podcast in 2021 of just. Not really enjoying that situation of the fact that you could get the film instantly, and, and and I always felt it was way overpriced as well to to actually pay for it to view it at home. So it was just clearly a, a money marketing scheme or whatever, um, just for studios to get more more bucks in it. Let's let's be honest, that's that's what it was. But back to the actual film itself, and I thought it was quite cool that not a lot of marketing was in place for this film, which I think certainly helped, you know, the hype as people and fans like me were just. Itching for any glimpse of this film and what to expect from it, and then when we did get the trailer for it, it just looked so much fun. Like it looked excellent. I think if I'm correct, the trailers were very, very short for this film. Almost like they again were keeping their cards close to their chest. I mean, they showed some epic moments that I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I was so, so pumped for the release of this film. Like it was, it was again. I was like, I can tell this film's going to be silly. But I, I think this this could be the one where they they get it right in terms of the monster action that we see and keeping with the monsters and titans than the actual humans. And they did deliver on that front because, like I, I've said, that the only real good balanced film in the monsterverse of having that was Kong Skull Island. And this this is definitely more so the the monsters, you know. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. But like I, I think at the time I felt I felt that this was like the second best. Monsterverse film, but on reflection, I would say this is just like it's the third one. I'd say it goes under Kong, uh, Skull Island, and obviously Godzilla 2014 being first. um But in terms of them keeping their cards close to their chest, they unfortunately had some leaks like marketing uh, and certain leaked pictures of the toys. um And it was quite apparent that the Big Bad was set to be Mecha Godzilla. Like, no complaints on this. I was super excited to see how that would be, but I just remember watching the trailer and just looking for any glimpses of the big mech in the process. I will just say, though, that the trailers, although I very much enjoyed them and, again, so excited for it. Like, I couldn't believe it was actually happening. Like, it, we waited so long for the footage, so, so pumped for it. But I did find it a little bit disjointed in tone. Um, like, kind of started off serious before the track from um, Adam Fadai, I think it's pronounced, Here We Go, starts blasting out. Um, and then we do get some serious, like, you know, monster action sequence. Like, I didn't, I didn't mind this, but it definitely just highlighted... How far the Monsterverse has come, and that this film was pretty much like, yeah, we've got an okay script and taken out most of the human characters, so it's just Kaiju Heaven, uh, but I'm certainly not going to complain about that, you know if they're going to go with that, that's absolutely fine, but it did make me think like, okay, this is this is where we're at now, because that's the thing as well, as I mentioned before. this film very much makes the title characters the main characters, and, and rightly so, you know, it's a film about Godzilla. Versus Kong, so we don't need any garbage human characters like we've had before. Obviously, you've heard my comments if you have heard my comments about King of the Monsters and all that, so I'll not regurgitate any of that. That's not me saying that the humans in this film are amazing by any stretch, like because they're really not. But by removing the humans and shifting the focus back to the Titans, it just made the film more enjoyable, and for me, it made me more forgiving for certain plot points or whatever because the spectacle you know, of what we're seeing on screen. You know, the humans are there to help navigate the story and where the Titans end up next, but they are not the main characters, which is something previous Monster Films have failed at achieving. Starring in this film this time round are returning actors Millie Bobby Brown, Millie Bobby Brown and Carl Chandler. The latter not being given that much to do. However, it just was nice to see them both on screen together and just the characters, you know, the relationship being closer, even if they are clashing over Godzilla's actions. But you know, Chandler's Mark Russell and the rest of everyone else, he's thinking that Godzilla's gone rogue, whereas Millie Bobby Brown's Madison is believing that something you know has caused all of this and and Godzilla is hunting you know technically they are both right but neither can imagine you know the scale of the enemy that's uh, that's to show up in uh, in the third act anyways and i do feel that Millie Bobby Brown was okay in the film not as good as you know the performances in King of the Monsters like i think i think she was she was decent enough in King of the Monsters she she had a lot more to play with in that film and again Though she's given some good sequences in, you know, and moments in Godzilla vs. Kong, it just seemed to be one set piece to another for her character in pursuit of the truth. You know, the character's done has done a lot of growing, and like he's more independent. We get that from the get go uh, when we, you know, re- when we, you know, see the character again for the first time. Um, and it's like you know, most of her life was dictated by others te- by others telling her what to do. And who she should be. So it's nice to see that kind of flip side of seeing the character more independent. And that she will always rather go for the truth and the answers than speculate and just assume something. Like assuming Godzilla is now just a bad guy. Like she always, in a way, vindicates Godzilla's actions. But all of that is for the goods of the character. However, most of her better moments, I would say, come with the back and forths with the other Team Godzilla counterparts, because also in this team is Julian Dennison playing Josh Valentine. He's the more rational headed of the trio, uh, and then Brian Tyree Henry, he plays Bernie Haynes, who's a podcaster, conspiracy nut, basically. Now, these two together are very fun, and I do like, I say, some of the exchanges, you know, like when Bernie S. Madison and and Josh... If they drink tap water or bottles and this and that, and he then refers to, you know, Josh as as tap water, this and that. Just, Just like I say, I enjoyed them two together, but it does seem like a back and forth of them trying to one up each other with comedic moments. And again, I'm not saying it's necessarily overly bad or anything like that but at times it was a little bit much but hey you can certainly tell that they had a blast within this film the performances were sound pretty grand uh, and they do play a big role in ultimately stopping the greater threat which again i love how that all comes round as well so great fun and uh, i've just yeah, enjoyed a lot of their back and forth within it it kind of made me enjoy the human characters. Not as much as like I enjoyed Skull Island, but I was like, yeah, these guys are cool. On the other side of the team, for Team Kong, we've got Rebecca Hall's Dr. Eileen Andrews, who is a monarch anthropological, anthropological linguist who works closely with Kong and has built a good relationship and understanding of the Titan. She's also the the adoptive mother of the young Gian and, and I enjoyed both together and just also hall's interaction and chemistry with all of the castmates like i always feel that rebecca hall um is pretty much excellent in whatever she stars in and it's just that some of the things that she starred in haven't been great but again she's a really likable character in this film and and seeing as that i've mentioned her relationship with gia let's talk about gia because i would give special shout and i remember specifically saying this on the last podcast i did for this film as well that the young actor kaylee hottle who plays gia like she's really really great and and just being able to see this special bond between her and Kong on screen is extremely touching and beautiful. It is a it's a gorgeous and beautiful relationship between them both. There's there's there's, there's care and nurture from Kong towards her to the point where Kong can now communicate with her via sign language. Like and that too is an excellent moment which highlights again one of the highlights. Of this film for me in terms of visuals and cinematography, you know the sequence where Kong and Jia are on the Navy's barge or whatever it is, while the rain pours down and Kong's you know frustrated trying to get out of the shackles from being held there. Jia comes out and they have a quick and lovely moment of just just calm. Jia in her way is trying to say to Kong, "It's going to be fine, you know." Like she's, she's like, "I'm still here, I'm still with you," and that does calm Kong down, but it doesn't take away the desire for Kong to return home. Now, I think that Jia is again a great character to help kong understand what he is going through within this film and it's also a great way for the audience to follow and see all of this through her character through Jia for the kong for kong storyline like it's we see it all the way through she is the push that he needs, you know, either to go to Hollow Earth or to help Godzilla this and that. Like she for me is like the most important character of the film, really, because it allows us to really gain an understanding of how Kong is, you know, feeling how his emotions are, where he's at, and such. So excellent work again, great performance. And who know, I don't I don't know if she's signed on for the next Godzilla Kong film, but it'd be great to see a return. Now in addition to these two characters we also have Alexander Skarsgard as Dr. Nathan Lynch, who kind of starts off a you know, is quite reluctant to get involved, but the more he's told about the existence of Hollow Earth, the more he becomes that and that that hero character of the film and we do get a bit of exposition about like his brother who attempted to go to hollow earth and obviously you know the gravitational pull and whatnot cost him his life and you know there's also then again a little bit of reservedness for him to jump on board you know the the tick boxes that come into this kind of i don't know if i should do okay i'm joining your team you know we've seen it all before as i stated as much as this film is excellent and a lot of fun there are your, your classic cliche characters and whatnot in there but you know it ultimately it's proven that the hollow earth theory is right. Like his theory is right. That there is in fact somewhere, you know, Hollow <laughs> within the earth, would you believe? Like I, I do think he was a decent enough character in the film, but I'm also glad that the film doesn't overdo it with any of the characters, including Skarsgård or whoever. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, like I say, take anything away from from the action and such. Like the characters, it does feel very step by step with them in order for us to get the monster action and fights that the title promises. But again, like they, they literally give you everything: why this person's on that side, why this person's on that side, pretty rapidly, like in terms of pace. So. You're not lost on it. And if we're gonna be honest, like this film may be called Godzilla vs. Kong, but it's a, it's Kong's film. Like essentially, this could be Kong too, more than anything else. Like I, I remember saying at the time, I was like, yeah, that would probably be my only nitpick of it. But I don't I don't I think reflecting on it, it's not really too much of a criticism, but the story, as I say, does focus heavily around Kong. And and as I've been gassing about for ages i think that is a wise move like not just because we've had two godzilla films already so we have to like kind of balance it out a bit but because it's easier for us the audience to get behind kong and how we can sympathize with such a beast being taken from its habitat you know pulled from pillar to post and then just thrust into battle like added to the fact like we've already established and discussed that he can communicate and as human relations it's just you know we want kong to be okay at the end of the day and that's again not me saying Go defeat Godzilla, yeah, because I love I love Godzilla. Like, but I do like that, that that due to the story and what, what it is occurring to make Godzilla the, you know, air quote villain, that it was just a good move to have the audience follow Kong's journey and story over Godzilla's. Like I very much enjoyed the opening of the film, seeing, you know, Kong in the facility which is designed to look like Skull Island, you know, just seeing Kong go about his day, like having a shower and a scratch and all this while, you know, the track over the mountain across the sea plays out. Like it really works together and it eases you into the film and then what we're gonna see. You know, Kong has some brilliant moments in the film. Like he gets a bunch of brilliant backdrops and you know, with the aid of fantastic shots and CGI, some of the best action moments in the film revolve Around Kong and how he moves and attacks. Godzilla, on the other hand, has always been viewed as a hero in everyone's eyes, or nature's way of restoring balance. But in this film, he's clearly peeved at something and is like no trouble in destroying whatever is in his way, you know, be that a building or the navy. Um, The introduction of the character brings us straight away to a great set piece where Godzilla is attacking the company Apex Cybernetics, their location in Pensacola. Now the sequence of Godzilla arriving here. Oh my goodness! One of my top three moments in this film: the camera tracks at the side of its glowing dorsal plate, which I believe is a nod to Jaws, and then rotates around the front of the beast as the jaws open and we get the Godzilla roar. Like honestly, the CGI here is phenomenal. Like it looks extremely real. It's fantastic. I remember still to this day just seeing that and I, I, how have they done it? Like how have you made that? Like did you put? So much money and... T- it looks absolutely... Uh, just, it just looked real, basically. I can't say anything more than it just looked, it just looked real. But following that, we then see Godzilla, you know, menacingly destroy this facility, which then leads to the question of what exactly has gone on here. Like Millie Bobby Brown, has mentioned, and Kyle Chandler, they're all thinking what has happened here. And this just kind of rages on because we escalate to, you know, battles at the sea, attacking Kong at the sea, obviously, and then, you know, in Hong Kong. But it just... Everything, everything about like the action in this film um, is absolutely fantastic. So the, the, from from start to finish, there is something really to enjoy. Um, quick point out that Godzilla wins the battle at the sea because that's his turf. You know, like he, it, it's his setup. And then once the battle takes place in Hong Kong, this time that's where Kong is really able to utilize that backdrop and you know being able to you know climb buildings and use weapons to ultimately beat Godzilla in round two. But again, don't worry. I will talk more about that action shortly. But what transpires in terms of why Godzilla is behaving the way he is is that he's searching for what Apex are creating, that being Mechagodzilla, and then to put a stop to it. I, I, I think that Kong just sadly is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, they're two alpha titans that won't bow down to one another, and it just ends up obviously having a big bust up. You know, like obviously yes, there, there might be the kind of sign that Godzilla might think that the the, the titan or whatever that he's trying to track that he's looking for is kong but i think obviously godzilla knows that there's something else that he's searching for but just kong is another alpha titan that's just got in his way and again kong's thinking who's the hell is this i am not bowing down to anyone so yeah it kind of does feel like it's a little bit like wrong place wrong time but anywho they do team up obviously like it would and i want to talk a little bit more about Mecha Godzilla as i never really did dive into much about that character on the last pod um as i tried to keep it as spoiler free as i could but I bloody loved this design for Mecha. Like I thought it was just a really cool design an update for the character for the you know the American release of, of of the character for the audiences but you know one that also Toho and everyone could could really get behind as well. Like the same artist who designed Mecha Godzilla for Ready Player 1 redesigned Mecha Godzilla for this film. Um, I believe that was a Jared Krichevsky. But yeah, Mechagodzilla is in this film. It is so good to see it battle out. And Mechagodzilla was created obviously using the decapitated head of King Ghidorah from King of the Monsters and is controlled by Ren Shirazawa, son of Ken Watanabe's character from the first two Godzilla films. The question is, though, why? Now, this is something that, frustratingly, audiences were never really told like what why this was the case. We never fully learn or understand why Ren was with Apex in the first place. Like, his decision to help kill Godzilla felt like almost a betrayal of his father's legacy. Especially since, you know, Serizawa died to keep Godzilla alive in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Like, the movie doesn't address, you know, what Sen, Ren into this direction but then obviously as we go with things like this there's always a novelization release of the film and it did delve into a little bit more of the backstory and it basically in the book it stated that it was just a deep hatred that Ren had for Godzilla which stemmed from a jealousy that had been brewing inside him for years like when he was a child he was always bitter about his father's obsession with the titans and in particular it was Godzilla that got a lot of that obsession now feeling that his research into Godzilla earned more of you know his father's time than what his son got. He grew to resent both the monster and his father, and his it was his relationship with his father or lack of or lack of uh, and feelings towards God that led him join in towards the forces with Simmons that's the cartoon villain of this film at apex so yeah rather than continue like protecting godzilla he was just like oh i'm just going to you know, undo your work and just destroy him with mecha godzilla like it was just a way of getting revenge basically it's the one thing that took his father from him but I do think they could have just explored that in the film. Like, why can't they just mention why? Why wasn't there like a sequence about that? Like I mean, just giving us a little bit more to the character because really, he just stands there. He's just in it. Just like, yep. Yeah, oh, there he is. Pops up again, and then yeah, ultimately is uh, gets a bit of a like rubbish death. But hey, never mind. Although, got Mechagodzilla is being controlled, you know, by those neurological transmissions from King Ghidorah's brain that are piloted by Ren Sherezawa. Um, the original version, obviously in Toho, it was controlled by aliens. Um, but I can see why they changed that because we haven't really dived or explored alien monsters or titans other than King Ghidorah in these latest films, and I'm I'm fine with that change. Um, the action involving Mecha, though, ah, where to, where to begin? Where to begin with the action with Mecha Godzilla? Because it's absolutely glorious. Like in in that final act, that third act, I I, I think as well the film just managed to have the villain introduced in a way that didn't just mean oh, the two characters have got to become best friends to stop it. Like, you know, like I, I, I try not to compare and such, but, you know, with what happened with Batman versus Superman, for example, with Doomsday, like, it, I just feel that Godzilla versus Kong, in comparison, managed to get the right balance of, okay, so we fought and kicked the crap out of each other. You know, Godzilla, you're clearly the winner, but... I can't. You can't beat an upgraded version of himself, and it's like it's. It's again as mentioned earlier, how important Gia is to Kong as well. Like she's the one saying, "Look, that Godzilla's not the enemy. Mecha Godzilla is," which then leads to such an enjoyable final act of the film where Kong really kicks Mecha's ass. Um, it's not like a case of like you know. Save Martha or anything like that, which in fairness, I would have actually loved to have seen if Godzilla would have said that, and then Kong would have been like, Why don't you? Yeah, anyways, oh god, you gotta love that reference though. But up until Kong's arrival, obviously, Godzilla is getting absolutely smote by Mecha Godzilla again, fantastic sequences where Mecha is just grabbing all of him and launching. Through buildings, like I, I in particular love the sequence. You know, the the, the head-on view of Godzilla slamming into a building. And his face comes right up close to the camera before being pulled out and then thrown again. Like Mecha Godzilla is on a mission to destroy the Titan. And it's also worth mentioning that you know because of Mecha Godzilla's you know it allows it to be fully controlled by the brain of Ghidorah. And he and Godzilla, how oh, do they have unfinished business, of course. So it's evident as well that the true identity of Mecha is there, because once it is shortcutting, you can hear the same cackles coming from Mecha Godzilla of what we hear of Ghidorah in King of the Monsters, just showing you that the beast, in fact, has returned. Um, it's just a cool concept having Ghidorah be a part of Mecha Godzilla, but... I do also on the flip side kind of wish they'd gone for the Mecha Ghidorah approach, maybe. I like, don't get me wrong, like I love that Mecha G was involved, but it could have been saved to later. I don't know, like he's still bloody awesome nonetheless. And maybe you could say, well, if they brought Mecha Ghidorah in this one, and then like in a few films Mecha Godzilla, the is that too many Mechas? I get it, but hey, they still made it work because it's absolutely. It's just it's just ridiculously fun and entertaining. Like it's nice as well that you know we've just had the Battle of Hong Kong, which was all night, and then this rolls over into the following morning at sunrise, and then we get the Mecha Godzilla fight. Like it is just non-stop action. That's the thing about this film, is that as stated, yes, the human characters, you know, we get pockets of them here and there, but it is once the once the once the Hong Kong battle really kicks in, it's just all out monster action. It's fantastic, really. It really is entertaining. Um, and when Godzilla Nick's Kong with his atomic breath in the Hong Kong battle were given that up close shot you know the front facing of Godzilla like chuckling to himself in satisfaction which I think at the time so it was hit and miss with fans some people liked it some people didn't like it I thought it was bloody great like i I laughed a lot at that moment um but when mecha godzilla obviously fully frees himself from the apex base and you know tortures several buildings godori gives off a similar chuckle with the same camera angle like he kind of turns the camera and gives off that exact same shot like i love these kind of nods and the film like has a fair few of them as well obviously we get to see you know for example when mecha godzilla forcing godzilla's jaws open you know to charge Uh, Charging up his red atomic breath implies that he was attempting to kill Godzilla with the same finishing move that Godzilla himself did to the female MUTO in the 2014 first film. But this is then stopped by the badass arrival of Kong. And whilst I talk about Kong here, this is actually the first time where Kong fights Mechagodzilla in any monster movie Kong did square off once uh, with a mechanised Kong from the Japanese film King Kong Escapes, but never have these two particular titans fought each other on screen i just absolutely love all of this sequence again it's just it's just really 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 excellent you know mechagodzilla reprogrammed as i say from Ghidorah's subconscious is defeated also by a bottle of liquor uh yamatu no orochi the mythical japanese serpent that inspired Ghidorah, was slain after being drugged with liquor so that again is a very nice little uh yeah, a little nod there, but like I stated, there, like th- this film, there are so many, so many great moments that I love. Say, particularly say with the Hong, the Hong Kong scene. We talk about nods to other films as well. We have obviously a nod from the classic nineteen sixty three release, where Ki- where Kong was ramming that tree trunk down Godzilla's throat in the film. In this one, obviously it's battle axe. Obviously during during uh, the Hong Kong battle sequence, it's just great. Like I, I, I really was fully invested in that whole sequence with those in Hong Kong. The neon in that sequence. Jesus wept, like, I absolutely just... I I sometimes just find myself watching the film purely to get to... Or even just skipping or watching them on YouTube, those particular clips... Of that moment within the uh, the neon lit Hong Kong, you know Kong flying over from the uh, from the buildings holding his battle axe while Godzilla's charging it, to then obviously coming down to absolutely batter him to to, to beat him in this particular fight. And all the while, what, what also works really well for me in this film is that you've got the human characters, obviously with Skarsgård and and co. You know Rebecca Hall, they're in that little that ship or whatever Apex's little like ship or whatever where they can fly around, and we just track across them while they are avoiding you know being destroyed themselves in this battle of Hong Kong while. Kong Godzilla and Kong throw down. It's just it's really really entertaining enough, and uh, it's just awesome once those two characters do come together to defeat Godzilla. You know, Godzilla charging up the axe for for Kong, then to absolutely strike Mecha down, and then you know ripping off the head, and then holding up like the uh, the, the head to the to the to the sky and roaring. Whilst I, I thought it was like a nice nod, maybe to like Predator, the fact that the spine was still attached <laughs> or the mechanical spine or whatever was still attached to uh, to Mecha G. But really really excellent moment, and it's just nice that. They do part ways on good terms. Now, the only thing I've really not mentioned in this is actual Hollow Earth, because we do get some wonderful sequences again in Hollow Earth as well. In particular, again, like, like I've already stated, you know Kong is the main character of this film. Like it is, it's his story. You know, when once they're trying to they're rehome him essentially to the Hollow Earth, back to his rightful place with his kingdom, this and that. I just really enjoyed what they did getting through to Hollow Earth, obviously through the Antarctic. I also thought it was really cool and effective that once the human ship obviously flies through um, and we get those like kind of flickering of lights, it then just cuts to black, like the screen completely cuts to black, almost like the film has crashed itself from them going through this kind of portal into Hollow Earth. I thought it was really, really effective, but Hollow Earth as well. Just some great monsters in there too. There's those kind of serpents with wings, which I didn't write down the name of those, I think it's something, it's like Nazareth, something like that, I, don't, I can't remember, but that was really cool as well, just seeing Kong, just swinging them round and just like I say ripping their heads, whatever, eating them, having a good old snack with them, but two the fact that hollow earth as well there's obviously the the land above and obviously the land, well depending where you are, both is above and both is is below you know you can conk and jump up and down up and down obviously to with like the gravity not that like, actually work well, it works differently there basically i 'm no scientist, but I can tell you that the gravity in hollow earth. Doesn't work the same on actual Earth. It's just a great spectacle and a great visual. But it, again, it's just a, a, an epic all-round film. You know, we didn't get any post-credit sting or anything, but we just leave it that Godzilla and Kong kind of shake hands and Godzilla buggers off until the next time, folks. And Godzilla and Kong, you know, re- re- resides back. In Hollow Earth, which again has me really interested to see what's going to happen next with Godzilla X Kong, the new Empire. Um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if it's going to take more in if it's going to take place in Hollow Earth. It'd be nice. What I would really love eventually is, and I'm, I'm sure that yes, Godzilla probably will make his way to Hollow Earth. But I really want Monster Islands. Like I really want. I thought Skull Island may have trans- transformed into. Uh, Monster Island, it may very well do, who knows, but I really want something like that, and I'm hoping that we're going to get something like that if Toho and Legendary have obviously made more yeah, like a contracting player to make however many more films. I know we've got this next one, but I don't really know the ins and outs of however many many more are to come. Um it should you know like I said, I, I absolutely thought I think this film was grand. I I really did. I enjoyed it. It was good fun, good monster action. Like I said, the battle, you know, at sea as well. I'm not really I didn't really i not really touched too much upon that. But excellent. The first actual fight of those two absolutely slamming down on those like navy barges or whatever, is you know, pilots are flying across. There's some there's a actually I I I'm glad I brought this up because it's reminded me of that fantastic shot of like the the air jet flying and Godzilla's tail hitting it and we then the camera like flips and follows, I think, or something like that. Like it's like an overhead looping shot and then crashes down or whatever. Just some of the best secrets. like Adam Wingard really, really did some fine job. Uh, with the shots and sequences in this film, like I commend him so much because, like I say, he brought that fun to it. Just brought some great visual and cinematography, and just just pleasing, pleasing sequences. Um, I, I gave it when on the first podcast, I gave it an eight. Now on reflection, I think that's a little bit too high for it. I think it is a great film. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's a terrible one or anything like that. Um, and I think I think did I give God did I give Kong eight? I think I'm gonna I, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Um, which again, I think that would make it definitely the third one in my ranking. Obviously, being Godzilla, then Kong Skull Island, Godzilla versus Kong, and then Godzilla King of the Monsters. It's amazing what like you know a retrospective or revisit can do in terms of like you know the rewatchability or what you feel when you rewatch the film. And I do really dig this film. Like it's it's got you know good sentimental value to me, which I'll come to in a second. But like I I, I just think that there's flaws in there. You know, like I said, the human characters aren't great still. Um, and I think my my main issue with the MonsterVerse now is. The Godzilla and and Kong Skull Island felt very grounded, whereas King of the Monsters and Godzilla vs. Kong, they feel just a bit, like, too silly, Um, and that, you know, how they've utilised and technology has advanced, this and that, like, it's just a little bit too at times unbelievable, which I've said before, but again, to counter that, it is a film about giant lizards and giant apes, you know, like, I don't really know what else I can, you know, I'm not going to expect, necessarily, the, uh, you know, the, the, the seriousness within its tone, so... That's that. That being said, I think I'd say seven and a half is a is a is a fair enough score. And this is the thing, like I mentioned, I mentioned before about the podcast. Obviously, I started this up after you know losing my uh, losing my old man and such. And this was a film that we both were very excited for because we're big fans of Godzilla and such. So I was always going in with like, how would he think? What would he think about this film? Like, what would if it would he be happy basically with this? And I, as I say, I came out being ultimately just like yes, like this. It was so much fun. It was everything that we both wanted from it, and. I'm just glad that they uh, they got it right basically they really did get it right so for that, I'm, uh, I'm always grateful and satisfied with because it deserves it. And uh, again, I'm just glad that it did do as well as it did in terms of what it grossed and such at the box office because now we're going to get more films, more Godzilla films, more Kong films. Hurrah! But thank you for listening. Let me know your thoughts as well on Godzilla vs. Kong, your thoughts on the Monsterverse as a whole. Let me know your rankings. Get in touch on Facebook and Instagram. Search Joe Blogs about films. Really do appreciate it. say the constant support. And yeah, until the next episode, take care.